0: Good morning, good morning. Welcome to the Rhodes Church, all of you here in the auditorium, all of you watching online. My name's Chad, and it's great to be with you. Welcome, welcome. We're so thrilled to hang out with you. Glad you chose to be with us today. We know you could go anywhere, and so it's always an honor and a privilege to have you come worship with us today. We're on our series called Holy Spirit, a Difference Maker. We've been talking about that for a couple weeks. This is our third time that we'll be talking about it, so if you get your sermon notes out of your worship guides or if you've got the YouVersion Bible app, you can get the sermon notes, you can download them off of there. They're available or if you brought your old-fashioned Bible, you can get your paper Bible out, actually turn pages. And let's open them up to Matthew chapter 4. Woo! <laughs> we just yell because we're happy about the Bible, not because we're crazy. We're just crazy about Jesus. We just think things that you get excited about. You know, I'm a sports nut, so I get excited when my team's playing. We were on vacation and, and uh, kind of a, kind of, kind of a semi vacation, not what we'd call a real vacation, but we turned it into a vacation. And uh, we got to stop by Wrigley Field and go to a Cubs game. Yes. And, and they won while we're there, which is good. I know some of you don't like it. That's okay. I'm preaching. So I'm talking about when you're preaching, you're talking about your team. You know, but uh, so we got to stop by and watch watch the game. You know, when I'm there, I hadn't been to Wrigley in like 20 years, so it's a big deal to get to come back. I've been there several times, but it's been a while since I was there. And you know, just to be there, and I told the kids we're walking in, it's great to be amongst your people. You know, I said (laughs) that is. Walking in, all these people in their Cubs outfits and shirts and hats. and You know, when everything, anything the Cubs did good, you know, they got a hit or, or made an out. Or whatever. Everybody cheered, you know, hit a home run. Everybody stands up, high fives the people you don't even know. You're like, yeah, I love you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> but we got excited because a ball went over the fence. So how much more should I be excited when I'm talking about the one who changed my life? <laughs> when I, when I open this Bible, this book changed my life. So when people say, let's open up the Word of God, I'm like, yeah! Not because I just want to do a church thing, because in my heart, I know this has been the difference in the old Chad and the new Chad. So it's just a brief intro into why we yell every time we open the Bible. <laughs> and to promote the cups. That's pretty much all I want to do there. <laughs> so we been talking about the Holy Spirit and you know in the first week we talked about 3 P's and how the Holy Spirit makes a difference in our life in our in our position. We talked about our power and our patience and then we talked about in the second week we talked about how the, how the Holy Spirit wants to convict us or convince us of sin wants to convince us to get out of sin, lead us into life, out of death, wants to convince us of righteousness, wants to convince us of our our position, our place in God, that we are sons and daughters of God. The Holy Spirit wants to convince you of that, that once you're born again, you're not who you used to be. You don't have to waller in your past life. You don't have to waller in sin anymore. You can come up out of that and walk in the newness of life. Then he wanted to convince us of judgment, that the enemy has been judged And that we have authority over the devil in our lives and we can use spiritual warfare to say, get out my house, uh, devil, not Jesus. We want him in our house. So so we talked about those things. So today I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, a difference maker in our priorities, in our priorities. I want to talk about one character in, in the Bible that really kind of moved me along the along the course where the Holy Spirit was concerned. Because maybe you're like me. Maybe you weren't taught a lot about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you thought Holy Spirit was just for crazy people and wild churches, and, and I really don't need that. I've got the Father, and I've got Jesus, so I've got everything I need. Or, or maybe you thought the Holy Spirit was just kind of a, you know, a little add-on to the really main important people or the Father and, the, and Jesus. And, but I, there's one character in the Bible that I really looked at to see what made a difference in his life. And the dude's name's Peter. Now I don't know if you've heard much about Peter, you know much about Peter, but Peter in the Bible had a little bit of a up and down life in his walk with God. Peter was hot or cold. Peter's one of those guys that he would hit the nail on the head, he would knock it out of the park, or he would strike out. He was like Dave Kingman, or he's like I'm going a little bit old school there, but he's like them batters that they either hit it out of the park or they strike out every time. And so Peter was like that, but there was some point in Peter's life that everything changed, that he went from being up and down to being the rock that Jesus said, I'll build the church on. It was a process, and how many knows that we're all under process? So my life is much like Peter's. My walk with God was much up and down. Raised in church, taught right things, but I didn't always do right things. Had times where I was really close to God, really doing well, and then times where I walked away from it and did really bad. Times I would come back to God and then I would go back. This roller coaster, but something happened when I was introduced to the Holy Spirit. Now I say a difference maker because it doesn't mean just because someone receives the Holy Spirit in their life, they'll never have any problems again. I'm just saying it's a big part to our walk with God. So let's look what it says here in Matthew chapter 4. That's kind of my intro to this topic, Mar- uh, Matthew chapter 4. Let me get there myself. And verse 18 is where I'm going to start reading. Because I want to ask you this as we launch into the scripture real quickly. How many have ever had something that you were doing and you dropped everything you were doing because you found something more important? you know, like you're, you're in the middle of something, you're doing something, you're busy, and all of a sudden, something more important happens, and you drop whatever you're doing, and you go take care of that. How many times in our life are there things that we know we should probably go do? Like, I should go see them. I should really stop by and see so-and-so. I should I should go I should call them. I should do that. But well, I'm, I'm busy. I should go to my kid's game, but, you know, it's work, and, I, and I'm tied up at work, and, and we're tied up with our lives. But how many knows if something important enough happens we will make time for it. I'm too busy. Bi- sorry, I just can't. I'm busy at work. But watch something happen to your spouse or your kids or your parents, and all of a sudden you can clear the schedule, and I'm, I'm going to go take care of that. Why? Because in, no matter how important things are in life, there's always something more important that trumps it. You're know, like, hey, I, sorry. People ask me, say, hey, can you come do that? I'm like, sorry, today I'm busy. But if it's a certain thing, I will make it happen. It's just the way it is. That's life, right? So what we want to talk about is where's God in that importance. Is there something in your life that would come into your life that would make you drop everything that you're currently doing and change your life forever? This is what we're going to find in Matthew chapter 4. All right. That was really my last introduction. We're really going to get into it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee... Saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately, everybody say immediately, left their nets and followed him. I want to start here with this and look in verse 18. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee and, and two brothers, he sees them there. They're casting net into the sea for they were fishermen. And I, when I saw the for they were fishermen, I thought, well, that's kind of odd that they threw that in. But then I felt like God was saying, hey, I'm just making sure you know they weren't on vacation. They were casting net into the sea for they were fishermen. In other words, they were doing what they do, they were at work, they were on their grind. They're doing what fishermen do. They cast nets into the water and they pull them back and they hope there's fish in them. They were just doing what they do every day. They're fishermen. Fishermen fish. So the context for you and I is put yourself in this situation. God's wanting to impact us right in the middle of whatever we're doing. Farmers, drive tractors. It's what they do. Coal miners, they dig for coal. Teachers teach kids. At the office, you're on the keyboard. Why? Because that's what you do. That's what was happening. They're just out there fishing because this is what fishermen do. And then something happens. And Jesus said to them. I like this part because they're fishing and Jesus speaks to them. It doesn't say that they were in the tabernacle in the middle of an awesome praise and worship service and God spoke to them. It doesn't say they were in the middle of a prayer meeting and the presence of God was so thick that you could cut it with a knife and God spoke to them. said, no, they were casting nets because they're fishermen. In other words, God wants to speak to you and I wherever we are all the time. You need to expect God wants to speak to you when you're walking down the hall at school. God wants to speak to you. When you're at your office, pecking away on that keyboard, doing your monotonous task, God wants to speak to you. While you're working alongside that coworker and you're not happy about your day, keep your radar on because God may just want to say something to you to tell your coworker that could change their life. Yes. Yes. They're casting nets. And God spoke to him. What are you going to be doing when God wants to speak to you? Will you hear it? Or do you only have your God ears on on Sunday? Are we only listening for the voice of God when it's like this? Are we looking for the voice of God when it looks like this? We always got to be listening. He said to them, look what he said. Follow me. Pretty short to the point. Follow me. Keep in mind, they're not too familiar with this guy. Some guy comes up on the shore and says, Follow me. It's important for us to realize God does the calling, we do the following. Jesus called him, said, Follow me. Follow me. I call, you follow. God speaks, we come. If we don't speak, Or if we don't come, we're not going to experience everything God has for us. God is saying to everyone who will listen. The Bible says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whosoever responds to the gift of salvation. God is saying, follow me to everyone. The ones who respond to the call are the ones who's going to experience what God wants them to experience. The Bible says it this way. Many are called, but few are chosen. Do you know why few are chosen? Some people will try and tell you that that scripture means God's only calling certain people to salvation. God's only choosing certain ones to go to heaven. That's not what the Bible means at all. That's context. He's saying, many are called, few are chosen. Why are only a few chosen? Because only so many are responding to the call. You don't get picked if you don't show up. Hey, everybody, tryouts for the team are this week, Saturday, 9 o'clock. Be there. Guess who's going to get picked for the team? Those who show up. You show up Monday mad as a hornet. I didn't get picked. Some type of discrimination. Why didn't you choose me? What is it about me you don't like? Were you there? No. That's why you weren't chosen. Answer the call. Answer the call. Many are called, few are chosen. I can't be chosen. If God says, follow me, I can't blame God if I'm not experiencing what God wants me to experience if I'm not following him. I've got to answer the call. And this is what Jesus said to him. He said, hey, follow me. Follow me. If you're going to answer the call, know this. He says, follow me and I will make you. Follow me and I will make you. Remember this. Our job is the following. God's job is the making. Look what it says. Follow me. Jesus is reading. It's in the red. Follow me and I will make you. In other words, what God is saying, all you got to concentrate on is following me. And in the pursuit of me, I will change you. We want to change our life and then come to God. God says, no, 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 no. Just follow me. And while you follow me, I will change you. I will make you. The word make there indicates a process. I will make you. I will, like if you're gonna make something, you're gonna make a cake or you're gonna make a pie. It takes different ingredients and you gotta put it together. There's a process involved. He says, If you will follow me, I will make you. If I will do my job, God can do his job. But if I will not do my job in following him, God cannot do his job in making me. He can't make me what he wants me to be if I won't follow the pattern that he's put in place. Somebody gives you a pattern to build something, you say, I don't need that. (laughs) My own man, I can make that myself. So all of a sudden you just start doing it, you throw away the instructions, who needs that? If we follow the pattern, we'll get what the designer intended. When we do our own thing, we come up with extra parts. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You feel me? Like, man, we got extra parts there. Huh. I guess I was a little more efficient than they were. I didn't need all those extra parts. I know my kids, I know it doesn't look like the one on the box, but I'm, trust, you, trust me, it's better. It's better. Dad didn't need all that extra stuff. We streamlined it, baby. Come on. If that's what we try to do, we. We want to get God's end result, but we don't want to follow his pattern because sometimes his pattern's hard. Sometimes you got to read, pay attention to detail. So that's what he's saying. Follow me and I'll make you. I I will make you. I, I will make this happen. The goal with God, this is so important, the goal with God is not a destination. It's relational development. Too many times in our relationship with God, we get concerned about destinations and events. And God says, I'm calling you to relational development. He says, Follow me, and along the process of our relationship, I'll make you into everything you want to be or everything I want you to be. I will make it happen. I want to encourage you to have relational development with God, not worrying about events, because sometimes you're not going to feel like anything's happening. But if you will just keep following Him, He's going to make you into what He wants you to be. Follow me, and I will make you. I will make you. Look what He says I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. The word being a fisherman, I'm not much of a fisherman. I like to catch fish, but I don't like to go fishing. That's pretty much how I break it down. Take me somewhere where I can catch one about every other reel, every other cast, and I'm good. But if i got to fish here all day and i got to move around and understand all kinds of work, I'm out. You know. So let's go to a catfish feeding pond. I'll throw a bunch of bread out there, drop a hook in. Yes, sir, come on. But he's a fishers of men. A fisherman is about getting rid of some things and keeping some things. If you're going to fish, some things you're going to keep, some things you're going to get rid of. In our walk with God, in our relationship with God, there's some things that God's going to ask you to cast away and throw back, and there's some things he's going to ask you to keep. In our journey, in our relationship, along the way, there's going to be some things he's going to say, Chad, I need you to throw that back. Let's throw it back. Yep. But God, this is, this is really precious to me. Throw it out. Yep. Throw that relationship out. Yep. I know you've had that relationship for a long time. That person, you just keep them in their life, and every time, the longer you keep them in your life, the longer they keep bringing you down. Throw it back. But here, bring something else in your life. I want you to keep that. I want you to keep that about your personality. I want you to stay a fighter. I want you to stay a warrior. I want you to keep that. Don't you dare throw that back. I'm just going to turn around. I'm going to use it for my good. Fishing is about throwing some things out and keeping something. But I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're still going to be fishing, but I'm going to cause you to fish for something different than you've ever fished for. And this is what God's wanting to do in our life. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Look what else happens. He says, It says immediately in verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed them. Immediately, directly, at once, immediate impact, something changed. How many things has God told us to do... That we're still praying about. I mean, You know what I'm talking about? Those things that you feel like God's put on your heart to do. And so then you add that to your prayer list. Like things I'll start praying about. And he said, I told you to call them. Yeah, I'll I'll do that. I told you to get your finances in order. Yeah, yeah, I'll start. Man, I'll start working on it. I didn't say start working on it. I said, do it. I need you to go pray for that person. Yeah, well, whew, man, look at the time. A little busy right now. Immediately, here's what I'm saying. In our relationship with God, we need to learn the power of immediately. This I'm preaching to myself. When God says do something, that's the time to do it. Not think about it, not pray about it, not ask other people what they think. If God told you to do it, go do it. Immediately, it says they they left their nets, immediate change. But look what happens, They, they left their nets. That word left means to leave someone, see, stop, move away from. Here's the question I want to ask, who or what are you willing to walk away from or to leave behind to follow him? I'm convinced of this in our Christianity. I'm convinced that the biggest problem in our Christianity is not our unwillingness to follow him. It's our unwillingness to leave things behind. What things in your life, you know you want to follow God. You know you want to go after God. You know God's the right thing for your life. You know it's the better way to live. But there's just certain things you won't let go of. They left their nets. What are the nets in your life and my life that we need to leave behind that are preventing us from following him with all of our heart? When he said, leave your nets, he didn't say, drag your nets with with you. I said, leave it. What are the things leaving us behind that we won't walk away from? What issues have happened in our life, our past th- uh, struggles, hurts, bitterness, unforgiveness, people that we will not leave behind? If we would just leave them behind, we'd be a whole lot freer to follow him wherever he wants us to go. So I just want to tell you, and I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to tell them emphatically and passionately leave your nets. Come on, look at him, say, leave your nets. Look at the person you was hoping you wouldn't have to talk to today and tell them, leave your nets. Leave your nets. (laughs) This is something in our life that's very important. There's things that God's going to ask you to leave. But listen to me. Understand this. Whatever God asks you to leave behind pales in comparison in value to what he's asking you to go after. Whatever he asks you to leave, you need to look at it with a little bit of stink eye and say, I don't need that no more because whatever he says to leave pales in comparison to where you're going. There's nothing that he asks you to leave behind that's going to be as valuable as what he wants to put in your hands. Yes. It yes. says so they left their nets, left their nets, came empty-handed. They left what was comfortable, left what was natural, what was acceptable. They're fishermen. I'm asking you to leave your nets, leave what you've always done. Their daddies were fishermen, their grandpas were probably fishermen, their great grandpas were probably fishermen. Leave everything that you're familiar with and comfortable with and pursue the unknown and unfamiliar. When he said, follow me, he's inviting them on this journey, but he's asking them to leave something behind. And that's what's important for us. What are we willing to leave behind? We've got to pursue his purpose we got to leave behind our thoughts for his purpose. One of our core values, one of our road search core values, we pursue our green. Our green is what we're passionate about, what we, what we love to do, what we're talented at, and what we're, we're filling a need in. We talk about that all the time. Pursuing your green, we need to leave behind what's holding us back and move forward in pursuing what God has for us. That's what he's asking them to do. Leave your nets. So they left their nets immediately and they followed him. Now it almost looks like And they followed him, almost like K sera, sera. They left their nets and followed him. But it was an immediate response to a gradual process. I want you to get this. When they said, immediately, they left their nets and followed him, it was an immediate response. We leave our nets, we're following him. But if you're going to say yes to following Jesus, get ready for this, because he's not going to tell you some things. Notice what he did not tell them. He did not tell them the destination. He did not tell them the duration. Come on, you've got you to relate with me. If someone comes up to you and just says, hey, follow me, what's the first thing you're gonna going to ask? Where are we going? Thank you, people. That is people in tune with the Holy Spirit. But isn't that right? I mean, if someone comes up and says, hey, follow me, especially somebody that you don't even know that well. When you run into somebody and they say, hey, follow me, you immediately start questioning your relationship with that person. It's like, can I trust them? I've heard them before. I've heard about their sense of direction. I don't know if I want to follow them. (laughs) Follow me. Follow me. Because, you know, you ever had that where you're getting ready to go someplace, maybe somebody's house or maybe an event or somewhere and you don't know where you're going? You know and, and somebody's been there, and they just pipe up and say, hey, just follow us. You're like, uh, I'm not so sure. You start start going through that process. And men especially, they have to work through all their internal issues of manhood. Like you got to ask for directions and help. You're like, I don't need to follow anybody. Just tell me where it is. I don't even need GPS or a map. I just got an internal system. I will find their house. Show me where the moss is on the tree and I can find it. The Spirit of God will lead me where I need to turn. Sometimes we're not so good at saying, hey, I don't know where I'm going. I have no clue. No, we're not going to say that. We're just driving around. We'll find it eventually. But follow me. If you're going to follow somebody, you've got to know sometimes that you're not always going to know how it's going to end up. Because Jesus didn't say, hey, follow me. And you're always going to have a great life with no problems. He didn't tell Peter. He, said, he didn't say, hey, Peter. Like, follow me. Yeah, just follow me. Eventually, you're going to get crucified upside down. But come on, it's going to be a great time. You'll love it. It'll be a blast. Yeah, come on. He didn't tell him that. He just said, follow me. He wasn't concerned in the events that Peter was going to face. He was concerned about the man he was wanting to make. Come on, you got to check me. I'll come out in the chair right now. Because... (laughs) Not every event that happens in my life is going to be pleasing to me. But God's not concerned about how I like every event that happens in my life. He's concerned about the man he wants to make me, and he's going to do that if I will just follow him. And it's not easy to follow him when it's not good. It's easy to follow him when it's all, you know, goosebumps and and, and fun. But how about when you got to follow him through a briar patch? And you got to follow him through a tight space, and it's uncomfortable, and you're scraping your arms, and and you got to follow him. No matter what you're going through, I just want to encourage you: keep following him. No matter how difficult it is, no matter what you're looking at today, if you will follow him, you will get your way out. But how many knows if we try our own path, sometimes we can get lost because we have our own sense of direction. You know what I'm talking about. I, I think I ought to do this. Yeah, yeah. How's that, how's that going to work? I think it's okay for me to do this. Follow me, Jesus was saying. So they, they drop their nets and they follow him, but it's a process. So here's the process of Peter's life. I want to talk about this briefly here. Immediately, Peter drops his nets and he follows Jesus. But how many knows this? If you've heard anything about Peter's life, Peter's life and his following of Jesus was not all Awesome. Let me give you some highlights. I want to give you some moments in the walk of Jesus. Maybe it sounds like yours because this sounds like my walk with Jesus at times over my journey. For those who think that everyone's supposed to have it perfect and everything runs smooth all the time, for those that think that Christians never have any problems and all they have is awesome moments, for those who live through Instagram posts and pictures of people that think their life is is all uh, wonderful and have no difficulties, have no struggles, let me introduce you to real Christianity is that you have to walk through and follow him through the triumphs and through the tragedies. You have to follow him. But I'm going to tell you, my Bible says that thanks be to God who always leads me in triumph. So I want to tell you, encourage somebody, if you're not experiencing triumph right now, keep following because he will lead you into triumph eventually if you'll keep following him. You've got to keep following him. But it's, the problem is, is when we get in the tragedy part and we want to park. Or we want to turn off and veer to the other side. It is in the tragedy you need to follow him the closest. Stay on his tail. He'll lead you out of it. Here's what Peter's, Peter had moments of boldness and moments of fear, moments of certainty and moments of confusion. Let me give you some of his moments of boldness and certainty. How about when he fed, he was part of feeding the 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. That's pretty cool. You're there with your own eyes, and you see 12 baskets of food left over. He saw that with his own eyes. He was on the Mount of, Transfigur- Mount of Transfiguration, and Elijah and Moses and Jesus all show up in their heavenly bodies, and Peter's like, what? This is crazy. Let's build temples for all of you. Let's just start to worship right. He saw all that. That's a pretty bold moment. That brings some certainty into you about relationship with Jesus. How about when he was catching a fish? That was not a big deal to Peter to catch fish, but to catch a fish with a coin in its mouth to pay his taxes, just like Jesus said. I mean, you know, when he's reeling that bad boy in, he's like, oh, man, because Jesus said the first fish you catch is going to be a coin in, take it out and pay her taxes. So he pulls that. He's like, oh, sure enough, there's a coin. Are you serious? Dude, I would have wigged out on that one. I'm just for real. That would have been a coin and a fish. So he saw that was got to be a big I got to be a big moment, right? How about when he walked on water? Kind of a big deal. I know of two people in the history of humanity that have walked on water. Jesus, pretty good. Peter, he walked on water. Surely after all these things Peter would never waver. How about how about when he bolted out, "Hey Jesus, you're the Christ, the son of the living God." And Jesus said, "Yo, on this rock I'll build my church." How about when he said, hey, Jesus, if everyone denies you, if all are made to stumble, I will not deny you. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. He was bold in that moment. Aren't there times in our lives where we feel like we're as close to God as we can be? We feel bold just God, everything's going wonderful. We feel super spiritual. We feel close to God. We're happy. Things are going well. We feel bold about our relationship. We're, calm, we're praying. We feel like we've got a direct line to God, like you just whisper and God's you know, hearing you. Isn't that awesome? But that's not all of our journey. Because same guy, right, same guy that walked on water, he also got rebuked by Jesus, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Satan. You're not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of men. That wasn't a great moment. He also, when Jesus asked him to pray with him in the garden, he kept falling asleep. That wasn't a strong moment for him. Also, when Jesus was arrested, the Bible says that Peter followed from a distance. And so he followed from a distance. Why? Because he knew Jesus was the real deal, but he stayed at a distance because he was still more concerned about what people thought than what Jesus thought. How many people are following God from a distance because you're afraid about what other people are going to think about you? How many people follow God from a distance because they're not sure they want to go all in? They they want to get into heaven, but they don't want to be thought of being a wacko. I know, I know I want to go to heaven, but you know, I, kind of, I, want to, I want to do the right thing. I want to serve God. I want to go to heaven, but I kind of want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. So I kind of want to live in this back-and-forth world. I want, to, I want to follow God from a distance. I'm telling you, you can't get intimate to, with God from a distance. You can't get personal with God from a distance. So the same one that was right there, you're the rock I'll build my church on, was also following from a distance. Another moment of boldness, he was the first one to walk in the tomb after they heard Jesus was rec- resurrected. And then after the crucifixion, he was hiding in a room for fear of the Jews, down again, up again. While he's in that room hiding from the Jews, Jesus actually appears to him and all the other disciples except Thomas appears to them in the room, shows himself, says, here, look at my hands, look at my feet, put your hand in my side. I am Jesus. That's got to be an eye-opening moment that he would never, ever think of walking away from God again, right? That's got to be, I mean, you saw him. It's got to be it. You saw Jesus moment of certainty. But look at John 21. So here's Peter's up and down life. And I believe this speaks to some of you either watching online or listening here as well as it did me that my life at times has been much like Peter's up and down but this is after Jesus had appeared to them, all right? So Jesus not only been crucified, Peter saw that. He saw him raised from the dead, saw him afterwards. Now look in John 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. So Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and the two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said said to him, well, we're going with you. Simon said, I'm going fishing. You know what Peter was saying? I'm going back to the very thing that God called me out of. In that moment, I believe Peter doubted whether he could ever be what God called him to be. Even though he had seen the 5,000 fed, even though he had walked on water, seen the Mount of Transfiguration, cut off the guard's ear, declared that he was the Christ, all of these things. Seen Jesus after the resurrection, in that moment, he had a place of doubt whether he could ever be what God created him to be, and he said, I'm just going to go back to what's familiar. I'm going to go back to what I'm comfortable with. I am just a fisherman. I'll only be a fisherman. That's all I'm ever going to be. I'll never be able to be this rock that the church built on. I can't see myself doing that. I'm going fishing. How many of you have ever went back and got involved in something that God called you out of? We go back and look what happens. They got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. Their nets were empty you know why? Because I know this about God. If you, once you know about God, once you hear the call of God, if you try to go back to what he called you out of, what he called you out of that you go back to will always leave you feeling empty. You can't do enough to fill that void. You can't drink enough. You can't smoke enough. You can't sex enough. You can't do enough. You can't hate enough. You can't fight enough. You can't whatever it is. You can't steal enough, cheat enough. You can't do anything. Once he calls you out of behavior, out of a lifestyle, once you hear that call, follow me, once you go back, you will always be looking for something that's not there. It'll never fill that void. You'll always walk around feeling empty. And every time you try and do what you've always done, for a moment you'll feel fine, but afterwards you'll be like, it's still there. What is it? It's that Jesus-sized gap in your life that only he can fill. They fished all night and caught nothing, but when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Now, now, Now rewind, rewind. This is the same shore that Jesus had called Peter in the first place. And Jesus saw Peter going back to what he had called him out of. So Jesus will show up and follow you. I just, I just want to thank God for the times that he came and called me again when he found me where I shouldn't be. When he finds me where I had been called out of, and he said, Oh, you're still here? You coming back? Okay, well, I will follow you. Why? Because his gifts and callings are without repentance. I will keep coming after you. I will change. You make your bed in hell. I will find you, Jesus says. You can't run away from God. So Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus on the shore, kind of fast forward in the story, Jesus has got a little skillet and he's cooking up some fish and hush puppies there on the, on the shore. And he, he's, if really, he's got a, got a fire of coals and he's cooking some fish. So he's got some fish. And look what he says to him in verse 5. Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? <laughs> I love this. This is because this is Jesus' way of saying, hey, How's that fishing working out for you? How's it working out for you to go back to what I called you out of? How you feeling now? Are you full? Do you have what you're looking for? Because he was saying to them, everything that you're fishing for, everything that you're hungry for, I already have in my hand right here. If you'll come and follow me, I've got fish, not raw fish. It's already cooked and waiting for you. We're looking for fulfillment in things that will never fill the void. It says, follow me. Everything that you're looking for out there in the world, I already got it in my hand. Satisfaction, peace, fulfillment, value, identity, I've got it. Come here, follow me. I'm looking for it in another job. I'm looking for it in a pay raise. I'm looking for it. No, no, no. I'm looking for it in another raise. No, nah, come follow me. I'll give you all those things. So then he said, sorry, we've got to move on. And he said to them, so they said, no, we don't have any fish. We fished all night. It's daylight. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Can I just insert this? When we fish in the right places, we'll catch the right thing. If we're not careful, we'll be looking for the right thing in the wrong place. Looking for fish was not the problem. Looking for it in the wrong place. Looking for a wife is not the problem. Looking for it in the wrong place. Looking for a husband is not the wrong thing. Looking for a husband in the wrong place. Fish on the right side. Looking for fulfillment. Looking for fulfillment in your job and your identity. It's not the wrong thing, but look in the right place. So they cast their net on the right side. Everybody say right side. On the right side, for my left-handed people, it's not about that. It's just about correct side. So they cast, and they were now able to draw in a multitude of fish. So many fish. So they caught so many fish. says down in, in verse uh, uh, 11, said there was 153 fish, large fish, so many fish that they couldn't even pull it into the boat. So now, when this dude that they didn't know who it was said, throw the net during the daytime into the water, and you'll catch fish. As soon as they get this multitude of fish, it says back there in verse 7 that the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, he likes to talk about himself like that. He said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, the Bible says he plunged into the sea. So he brings, I gotta fast forward, so he brings all this stuff they bring to the fish to the shore and Jesus has his fish already cooked up, says, hey, bring some of your fish, we'll cook it up, we'll have a big feast, it's gonna be awesome, we'll have a fish fry, come on, let's all eat. And then if you go down to verse 15, when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? What are these? The these were the 153 fish that were sitting right beside him. See, Jesus allowed Peter to catch an incredible number of fish. And you know what that number of fish means? That represented money. That's big bucks. This was his job. He could sell that 153 fish. It's big. He allowed him to catch it, and then he put it right beside him, and Jesus said this, Do you love me more than these? In other words... Are you willing to leave this behind to follow me? If we're going to follow Jesus, it's going to cost us something. It's not cheap. Love requires a choice. Jesus wanted to know, Peter, are you going to choose me or are you going to choose fishing? You keep wanting to go back to this fish. What's your fish that you keep wanting to go back to? Jesus is asking you right now, do you love me more than these? More than what? More than that computer? More than those images? More than the job? More than, I don't know what it is. You right now, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to show you. But he's asking you, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your precious time? When I'm asking you to serve, I'm asking you to get involved in dream team. I'm asking you to be a connect group leader and open up your home so that other people can be impacted and connected into the body of Christ. Do you love me more than your free time? Do you love me more than, what is it? What's your fish? Well, I would do this, but I'm really busy. I know you're busy, but do you love me more than these? He asked him. So the question to us today is, what are you willing to leave behind to walk into what God has for you? What nets are you willing to leave? What habits, what addictions, what what behavior are you saying? You know what? I'm sick and tired of living like this. It leaves me empty. Time after time after time, I'm looking for something to fill a void. And it's if you follow him. Would you pray with me? Just bow your heads with me. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I want you to respond to this question as the Holy Spirit asks you, will you follow me? Will you follow me right now in this season of your life when it just stinks? Will you follow me? Or will you bail? Are you going to follow me? Or are you going to give up? Are you going to follow me? Not follow your feelings, not follow your emotions. You're going to follow me. Follow what I say. I can't make you into what I want to make you if you won't follow me with every detail. When you follow me partially, I can only make you partially. Come on, you got to hear that. Partial following leads to partial making. Lord, I want everything you have for me, but I only want to follow you in partial obedience. It's not going to happen. Full obedience brings full reception of what God wants to do.